2: Hey everybody! Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Uh, Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke. Happy Tuesday! Happy Degrom Day! Happy Mondesi Day! It's almost Happy Alec Manoa Day too. We'll get into that in a second here. Fred, what's going on? How you doing?
3: Yeah, a lot of happy things going on here. People getting their Degrom back, who they so desperately need. I think, I think Mondesi might be the big get today Manoa will be and it will dominate fantasy headlines for a few days but I mean for those who drafted Modesty a lot of them probably planned their steals around him and have been you know probably just dying to get him back so if they can get him back now I mean he could steal 40 bases the rest of the way if things broke really well he, he could steal 10 a month right
2: yeah he could he could I think it's unlikely to expect that money that mm-hmm. many but then again because you know little things happen from time to time
3: yeah Oh, oh, he could steal 10. Like, the way he, he's coming off a long-term injury, uh, you know, he could have other injuries and you could get 10. He will decide a lot. There will probably be a lot of leagues that he decides. Like, he, 40 might be a little high. But, I mean, I think a projection for Modesty, like, before any of these injuries was probably 50-something steals, which is about nine a month. So, I mean, four times nine, there's 30. He could get probably anything from, like, mid-30s for steals to, like I said, like another injury and you get 10 from them. So uh, that's a like a huge gap up the standings for pro- probably a lot of the teams that have them. Because as I, as I said, I was telling you before we started recording that I have two Mondesi teams, one's first in steals and one's third. So right. that's not how I planned it. Um, you know, where I, I was really hoping he would just surge me up eight or nine points here in the next, next six weeks or something like that. But that's not going to happen for me. But I bet it will happen for a lot of teams.
2: Yeah, uh, I bet it will uh and the thing is he's batting seventh today and he's not batting leadoff not batting second I can't really blame him I mean the Royals I mean you look at their lineup Merrifield's hitting well Santana's hitting well got a lefty on the mound Sal Perez is batting third Ben Benintendi quietly having a pretty good year uh and you know I I think that that's although he's not hitting for like a lot of power but 290 55. He'll take that uh, with six stolen bases, mind you. So it's not like the Royals. I mean, the Royals, you know, if they were, if the Royals were a fantasy team, they'd be already towards the top in stolen bases.
3: That's right. And that's what we like about the Royals. That was the something coming into the season is we typically, mm-hmm. the Royals have been a good source of steals. They have a lot of team speed. And, you know, I mean, they've typically been, been willing to run. I, we didn't know if that would be the case this year, but so far it has. Uh, you're right. The, the Royals would be a team that would be a better fantasy lineup than it has been a real life lineup because of those stolen bases. So uh, if everybody else is running, then Mondesi is going to run. And no matter where he hits in the lineup today, I'd say there's a good chance as soon as he's hitting, he'll be near the top.
2: If you're drafting this, say for instance, tomorrow night at eight o'clock Eastern, where would you slot Mondesi? (sighs)
3: Around how many teams in the league?
2: Twelve teams. It's the NFBC second chance. You know, it was not really a hypothetical yeah. question, obviously. There. Yeah yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. When I said how many, I didn't say hypothetically how many teams yeah. in the league.
2: Uh so like for, in, in a, his ADP was somewhere in the second round, I think, in yeah. most leagues. Now that was in a 15 and a 12 might have been like late he second, early third.
3: Second, yeah. I'll 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 drop him to like the fourth. Just because he's coming off an injury maybe I drop him even further. No, I'll, I'll say about the fourth. He's just because coming off an injury uh, maybe he gets off to a really slow start or maybe there's a new, another injury happens. Like maybe he's not all the way back. So Mm -hmm. just for that, I would drop him to the fourth, but beyond that, I mean, all the reasons that he was getting drafted, you know, he had, you're right. He had an ADP around 20, 22, 23, all the reasons he had that ADP, they're all still there. So I I can't take him there just knowing that he's been hurt. Like, I feel like I want healthy players uh, there. It's too bad. If the league was in like 10 more days, so I could see him for 10 days, I might put him all the way back up. But I'm going to say instead of maybe ADP 22, 23, I'm going to say ADP 35, maybe 40. As I was saying that, I also remember that some of the players who were drafted up there aren't around anymore. Luis Robert or someone like that. Some of them have lost draft value too. So I'd say 35 to 40. What do you think? I, where do you think I am compared to the, the masses? On well, that? I
2: was thinking about that. Be honest there because um, I, I, I I'm drafting in the 10th slot. And okay. so listen, I are drafting. We're drafting three, together. four, so
3: three, four turn maybe. Yeah.
2: So either pick 34 or pick 40, uh, 39 yeah. that that's in the range.
3: Oh yeah. So for example, you could double tap aces on that one two turn, then take him and just gamble on getting those 35 to 40 steals and then go sluggers, quality hitters, whatever for their next two or three picks to kind of back him up with you know with some some guys who are more batting average. And those guys are going to be around. I mean there's not a ton of batting average out there right now, but just just guys who are generally good hitters but don't steal bases. So you you could easily double tap aces. Um, you know, something like a Bauer Scherzer turn, something like that. And then uh, go Mondesi if he's still there. That's the the interesting thing about these Memorial Day drafts is there's no real ADP for them, right? Like there's no. Exactly. It's fresh powder. This is
2: the first of them, I think.
3: Yeah. Uh, So if you double tap aces, Merrifield will be gone. I think by the time you pick in the third round, just with how many steals he has so far. So if you double tap aces, it's fine. You just would go with more balanced hitters for your next three or four picks.
2: Merrifield's got 13 stolen bases, only hitting 250. So that's a slight draw, but a, a drag on him there. But I mean, come on, you're, yeah, with some power, and you're, you're not, you're not, you're not getting a complete zero in those stats. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah, unlike other stolen base artists, you're getting some. Same with, same with Mondesi, for that matter. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, you're going to get something there. Although you could get Tatis and get it all. But uh, 13 homers, 10 stolen bases, despite two trips to the IL, he's played 31 games and he's got you 13 and 10. That's just ludicrous.
3: I, I know you're not getting Tatis at, at pick 10. I can say, as someone who has Tatis in the Tout Wars League, that you did you had you didn't really get the whole 13-10 though. You missed a few of those because he was out. Yeah. You couldn't have him the first day back and things like that. And in NFBC, I'm sure you didn't people didn't have them in for him in for some half weeks and lost on something. But whatever, he's been awesome. He'll still go. Even with the shoulder, he's going to go before you guys pick. Um, yeah, I think I think the interesting thing is you could double tap aces and then like there's going to be hitters. If it's like I said, if it's not Mondesi, the great thing about Mondesi that he doesn't get enough credit for, like you said, is he he's not a total batting average drain. Like people talk about him like he's this terrible player who only steals bases and hits two ten. No, Joey Gallo is the guy who hits two ten and gets you like amazing he gets you an amazing home run total you don't have to eat 210 to get the the steals from modesty he typically hits around 245 250 and in this day and age that's okay Uh, and he gets a few and he gets a few home runs so for that matter
2: 190 is the new 210 by the way you really i mean with with if when the median nfbc main event batting average is 245 i mean Mm -hmm. yeah 210 doesn't kill you it doesn't help you that's right but you could have i mean Dylan Moore, he kills you at one sixty eight. Uh, although yep. he does have five and eight, five homers, eight men. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, he now he's hurt. Besides stinking, so he's got that going for him.
3: That's right. So, but if you get if you get Mondesi, like you can expect him to be, you know, at, like at about a fifty. He's typically like a fifteen homer type pace. Like you should expect, mm-hmm. you know, two homers a month, two two to three homers a month from him the rest of the way. It's not like it's going to be a total zero. Um, yeah, you pair him with like, uh, I don't know how far JD Martinez will fall in these drafts, but, um, if he's all the way back up to where he was like with this hot start and everything,
2: and he qualifies an outfield now and he qualifies an
3: outfield for sure. But I'm thinking someone of that skill set, someone who you think of as more like a 300 power hitter, um, paired with Montessi paired with a couple aces. Sounds like a good start to me.
2: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I I'll I'll think about him in that three, Mm four turn. You, I, I, part of me is like, I want to just go with, uh, yeah, I, I I just want to go with like just all hitters early and see if we can, you know, steer into this whole pitching environment. Part of me is like, okay, it's very comfortable to have the aces and then just build after that. That seems like the more thing, uh, there's a freak injury here, by the way. Uh, it, it, it was Zach Plesik just went on the IL for the Indians. Did you see this? just I came out not, about seven this, minutes this ago. this happened
3: after we started?
2: Okay. Yeah, Mandy Mandy Bell, uh, I think she covers uh, for The Athletic, but let me give her proper credit. Uh, no, for MLB.com, Mandy Bell reports that Plesek uh, went and got an X-ray and revealed a non-displaced fracture in his right mm. thumb. Tito, said, uh, Terry ter- uh, Terry Francona, said that Plesek was rather aggressively ripping off his shirt, got it caught on a chair at his locker. <laughs> I, you can't make this up
3: oh man uh got it caught on a chair at his locker while he remember he had a
2: really bad start on sunday well it it was a really frustrating start i
3: should so he hurt himself aggressively ripping off his shirt and uh, a husker you know last week hurt himself punching uh, Mm -hmm. in the wall or whatever after his bad start it's like as soon as like it's like as soon as pitchers have a bad start they need to be monitored for the next couple hours yeah just <laughs> just have a guy that you pay minimum wage to just follow around starting pitchers who have had a bad start and make sure that they emerge healthy for yeah. that for the next two hours or something um yeah would you i guess non-displaced fracture that could be a, in his thumb that could be a l- little while
2: it could be it could <laughs> It
3: could well be, a, be. I, I i'm not gonna speculate too much right now but that could be a drop in some leagues like he hasn't been awesome this year uh like some people were expecting I All guess right. We'll just wait and see on a timeline. But that could be like Anoa. Like, like I, I thought Noah was a was doing great, and he's out two months. And I still said in most situations I would drop him. Plazac has a 414 ERA and a 458 FIP. Mostly because he's given up a lot of home runs. He's only got a 102 whip, yeah. but he's a good batted ball luck to get that 102 whip. I, I, I'm gonna say if he's out six to eight weeks, like I would in some leagues, I would look at dropping him.
2: Yeah, he's definitely on my do not fly list now for uh, tomorrow night's draft. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah but- I just
3: think like y- if you're going to hold a bench spot, again, we talk like if it's I- if you have IL spots, totally different. But if you're thinking NFBC, if you're going to hold a bench spot for a pitcher for, we'll see, but a couple months, uh, you better be pretty sure that when he comes back, he's going to really help you.
2: Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Uh, and oh, it's, just, it's just such a dumb injury, but dumb injuries happen in baseball. It's, that's yeah. what they do. Uh, just thought I'd break into that. You know, we're talking Mondesi, but uh, the other massive, huge news is Bryce Harper is on the IL and uh, it's a hand injury. The funny thing about this is for a while, they just insisted he was getting a day off on that Sunday, but then you see him bunt and you know, okay, come on. And after the fact, Joe Girardi says, yeah, uh, yeah, I withheld information uh, because I didn't want, he believed it to be a competitive advantage, not to not share it there. After insisting there was no medical issue at hand. I think it's with his shoulder, actually. Not as I got to double check on the reasoning for this, but come on, this is this is a killer injury, too.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, Harper, like you said, like he, he wasn't healthy, and now, he, yeah, so he's uh, I was just looking up the, the reason for, yeah, he held withheld the information because he felt like it was a competitive disadvantage to share it. Um, yeah, I, this stuff should be
2: illegal. This is just terrible. They should get, they, they got to fine him for that. That's ridiculous. And you got to realize, too. I mean, it's, yes, there's competition, but there's also, I mean, know who your audience is. Know who's, you know, I, I know, it, it, you know, I'm self involved here when I say think about the fantasy owners, but my God, how many people play fantasy? How many people rely on this? And you're just
0: straight up lying.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I get a little used to it because I spend a lot of time following the sport of hockey where they don't even have to tell you what's injured on the player. They Uh, just have to tell you if it's above or below the waist. Upper body, lower body. Upper body, lower body, that's it. That's all they have to tell you, and they have to tell you, I think, either day-to-day or indefinitely, one Mm -hmm. or the other. That's it. And it can be the most obvious injury, and they won't. a player can skate off the ice holding his shoulder, and they'll be like, upper body injury, no timetable for him. And, you know, and you just have to watch practice to see when they return. So I'm used to it. Um, yeah, with Harper, you knew something was wrong. He was 0 for his last 16 with 10 strikeouts. Uh, Girardi saying that, you know, that he just needed, I guess, I don't know. Girardi saying he had another day to re- needed another day to reset, saying that yesterday. It sucks for fantasy owners because a lot of people probably, he's such a good player, that a lot of people probably just hopefully put him in their lineup. They were just hopeful, right? They, right. Sure, I'll put him in my lineup. Maybe I can get two or three games from him before Friday, you know. Right. Maybe he'll be back right. in the lineup Tuesday or if it's a weekly, right? They're just like, "Oh, okay, I'll I'll leave him in and now they're going to get a zero, and yeah, I don't know. It's, it's ridiculous. I do understand. Like, I actually, I don't really understand that much in baseball. Like, it's not – the players don't come in contact with each other. It's not that much of an advantage. It's not like if you tell someone that you got an injured shoulder, they're going to go and hit it or something like that. I, I do understand it a little bit in sports like hockey, but, but again, the NFL is the most violent sport going as far as team sports go, and they have to divulge everything. The, yeah. the the injury and the the how much he's practiced and whether he's questionable, probable, or doubtful, they have to be, and it's because of sports betting and them wanting to be transparent. And I think that other sports would be wise to follow the NFL's lead on that. I think the NFL is way ahead of other sports on that,
2: which is just wild to say. But then again, mm-hmm. I mean, it's something the NFL's always been way ahead when it comes to marketing yep. the game. They're way ahead yep. too.
3: Yeah, uh, and, and it's a sport where you could gain the greatest advantage from yep. knowing your opponent's injury right like if you knew Absolutely. something's injured on your opponent you can go right at it if if you if you so choose and but it's the sport that's that's gambled on the most by far and so i think that's more prevalent with the nfl to make sure that they keep their house tidy in that area and uh but i think other sports baseball hockey whatever i think they would be wise to to have come. Up, it's not hard come up with an, an official criteria for these things and 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 make it mandatory and do what the NFL does. If someone's lying, if someone's like like doing not following the system, then find them. That's yep. what the NFL, the NFL finds every year. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, by the way, so it, it's a wrist and forearm bruise related to a hit by pitch that happened way back on April 28th, and he's been dealing with it. Remember, there was another Sunday night game where he was bunting, and we we're like, okay, what's going on there? And then he struck out later in that game, and he looked pain looked in pain. No, it's just he's been dealing with this for a while, and they've just just kind of been trying to fake it. And the funny thing is, he he was actually playing pretty well prior to that, hadn't been getting any RBIs because nobody had been getting on base in front of him. My God, if you're, if you're, if you're, uh, again, we'll go back to the if you're drafting tomorrow night question. Mm -hmm. How much of a discount do you need before you think about taking him?
3: I'd take Modesty first, I think, before Harper. I would actually. For sure, yeah. yeah so either. Harper, so you're gonna have to carry. So do these leagues? I'm not in one of these leagues drafting. When do they start?
2: Tomorrow night's the first one. Uh, the, oh, the games start on Memorial Day on Monday.
3: Okay, um, so you have until Monday where you could get Harper back at right. This would be this. I also need to be backdated a little bit, just a little bit. Um, so you may not have to keep him out for long. Um, I'll say like round, but but this injury could linger and nag him. I'd say round like four or five. Does that make sense? If he was around two before round four or five, what do you think?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's just because we've had so many injuries, I guess in a 12 teamer it's one thing in the main event. Oh, I I'd, in a 15 teamer with no IL spots, I'd really need a big discount. I'd need a bigger discount there than mm-hmm. in the 12, uh, just because of replacement value. Uh, I think five
3: or six. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's um, all about percentages, right? Like missing, yeah. say the first two weeks, of your six month season um, is, is not as big of a deal as if you, if you believe say Harper's going to miss the first two weeks of your four month season. So right. it's all about percentages that way and how long you have to hold someone on the bench for and how many weeks you don't have them. So uh, you know, in a 12 replacements are easier to find. Uh, yeah. I, I think, I think like maybe like round four or five, he was still until this this injury crept in, he was still like pretty good Bryce Harper. Like his OPS is 884. You take that 0 for 16 out. It's back in the 900s. That's his career OPS is 900. Like he was pretty typical Bryce Harper. So it's just how quickly can he move past this? And, you know, at at least the fact they didn't put him on the aisle right away means that they didn't think it was like a huge, huge problem. So I'm staying. I want to win one of these leagues if I'm in it. So not finish fourth. So I'm going to say, I'd still maybe take a gamble and go round four or five, but I do have a bad habit sometimes getting a little too optimistic on injured players. So sure. still holding Carlos Carrasco, who I drafted in the main and not coming back my, till
2: July now. Was yeah.
3: my, I totally, I'm expecting around the all-star break now. And it was yeah. my idea and out of myself and Jeff Zimmerman and I take full blame for it. Round 19, round 19 sounded so good for a fourth round pitcher who was supposed to miss April and maybe part of may that sounded like great value. And now here we are. So, but I keep stubbornly holding them because They never said, he keeps getting slowly pushed back. So,
2: Someone offers you Yon Munkata for Bryce Harper. Do you say no? Yeah, I'd say no. Okay, that's not good enough, huh?
3: Aaron Judge? (sighs) I'm never the Judge guy, but yeah, I think I'd take Judge. So one of my things with these Memorial Day leagues, I'd actually be a little more willing to, to steer into guys who I think are injury risks, but are playing right now because mm-hmm. those, the shorter the league is the less the risk is. So like my concern over ju- is judge over six months. I'm still concerned with him over four months, but the shorter the league is the less I'm concerned about him getting hurt. All right. Fair enough. So I take a yeah. little bit of that off. Although I know four months is still a pretty long time.
2: Yeah. Two more IL moves and then we'll move on. Uh, Kyle Gibson just went on the IL. Uh and you know, you would think, okay, whatever Kyle Gibson take a look at what Kyle Gibson has done this year. And it, it's, it's actually, he's been pretty good and yep. I, I'm never the Kyle Gibson guy, but I, I got to say, he, he, he's really kind of changed his pitch mix. He, he's got a 2.24 ERA, a one Oh one whip, 48 Ks and in 60 innings. You'd like to see more strikeouts, but still you're getting those ratios. Now he goes on the IL. It's a right groin strain. It's not an arm problem or anything. So, you know, it, that's, that's at least at least there's that, but you know you do need your legs to pitch too. Uh, where are you on Kyle Gibson going forward?
3: Yeah, it's crazy to say that. Like, I think my stance is that because it's a groin, and you never know, it could be a fairly short injury, right? Like a like two mm-hmm. weeks or something like that. Misses two or three starts. I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think you hold Kyle Gibson. Uh, <laughs> I think you hold Kyle Gibson uh, at least. You at least hold him until you get a time frame. And if that time frame is a couple of weeks, I think you keep them. And we're talking about someone who is sitting on waivers, not even on opening day, but sitting on waivers in a lot of leagues, like two or three weeks into the season, like people still weren't buying in. Um, when I look at his strikeout rate, his strikeout rate this year is actually a little bit higher than a strikeout rate last year. It just looks worse on the K per nine because he's facing fewer batters per inning. So, you know, so he's not striking out. So his K per nines down about, you know, a half it's, it's from seven, seven, five to seven, one, six, but the strikeout, his his strikeout percentage is actually up a bit. So he's striking out batters a little more than than he usually does, or than he did last year at least. Um, his Babbitt's been low. So that's like the 101 whip's not going to stick. But even if that normalized to a 120 whip and then the strikeout sprinting came up a little bit because he's facing an extra couple batters every start. Um, you know, his FIP's 332. Like if I, I I'll wait a couple of weeks for a guy if he can have an ERA in the threes and a whip around 120, right? Right,
2: right. Not a good team, but... You know, a good ballpark to pitch in and yeah, you got a good closer. I wouldn't say a good bullpen, but he does have a good closer behind him at least.
3: Yeah. And I mean, he's got three wins and 10 starts, which isn't awesome, but it's also not, it's not totally terrible to put you on pace for 10 or 11 wins. So, Mm -hmm. and in in this era, I think that's fine. Um, Yeah. And maybe even Kyle Gibson could be trade bait this summer, right? Like. He he would be the kind of if he's still pitching well, he could be the kind of sell high guy that a team like the Rangers should just move on. Like this would be the one year in a long time where you could get at least something for Kyle Gibson, so they should probably take it.
2: I, I agree, and I think they should be trading Ian Kennedy too, yep. um, and everybody but Adelise Garcia basically.
3: Ian Kennedy to your Reds, and maybe they can. Although the Reds are kind of falling back right now.
2: Yeah, we gotta we actually to score talk. a run or two. It'd be nice. Um, yeah, we need some hitters at this point in time. Uh, Everybody needs hitters. You know, the the hitter pool is just getting diminished. We were trying to pick up outfielders this this week, and, oh, it's giving me a headache. I I got excited that I got Andrew Stevenson for a buck in a league because he's going to fill in for Victor Robles. Uh, I got excited for Hunter Dozier in another league, and this is also in the main. I didn't get as excited, but I also did get Josh Reddick in a league for a buck. I mean, that's how low we're digging. And then in that same league, I just lost Harrison Bader yesterday. He's got a right right rib hairline fracture trying to make a diving catch. Missed it. Uh, is he a drop in a 15-teamer with no I.L.?
3: Yeah, I think he I think he probably is. And when we were messaging about these injuries before we went on today, just getting our ducks in a row, I thought, I don't think there's anything from the Bader injury that can help you. Like Williams will start a little more in the outfield. Mm-hmm. Edmund might go to the outfield a bit more often, and Carpenter can maybe start a little bit more. I don't right. think there's much there. I think with Bryce Harper, maybe Brad Miller will play more. He's hit really well this year. I don't think he can hit as well. As he's hit this year going forward, but um, Miller might start a lot more often, at least till Harper Miller's in Philly.
2: Miller's in Philly, that's
3: what I meant. Sorry, sorry, I was jumping back and forth. So, from the two ILs, the two hitter ILs, because you're saying, Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're saying we're crying for hitters right now. I don't think the Bader injury, like, I think so. Corey Schwartz would always say that fantasy baseball is a zero sum game every time someone benefits, you know, every time someone loses, every time someone loses, someone benefits. Bader lot, but it's not totally always a zero sum game because. We lost Bader, who was useful in a 15 team league. I don't think we're gonna get anyone who's useful in a 15 team league. Agree. It's zero sum as in the pitchers who are facing the Cardinals have a little bit of a little bit of an easier road. I think with Harper, I think his injury, I think that might open a little more playing to I would think that Girardi will pr- try to get Miller into the lineup a little more often since he's he's hitting well. They need a guy for Harper. Alex Baum hasn't hit well at all. Maybe some Harper you know, owners out there could just grab Miller. He's not Harper, but maybe he they can at least, in a deep league where there's not a lot on waivers, they could pivot to Miller. We'll see what he does for the rest of the week. But yes. Bader, I don't think the Cardinals are going to give you anything to replace him with.
2: I'd agree with that. And Philly's outfield has just been awful. Mm-hmm. Um, and now the Cardinals' outfield is gone. Here, Let me throw, th- float an idea at you here. I think it's going to be at Matt Carpenter that benefits, but instead mm-hmm. of who I think it could be. But what if the Cardinals called up Nor- Norman Go- uh, Nolan Gorman, their top prospect, He's, a, he's playing second base in the minors, put Edmund yep. in the outfield yeah I think, and get out I mean that's a, that's an opening sorry to interrupt you go ahead
3: no no I no I think that's I think that's a good idea and I think this is the time of year when teams should look at that we've had about three weeks of minor league time so any of these guys who were left at the alternate training site and were just kind of playing against teammates now they've had enough live action probably to get it back anything they lost in spring training um, depending on how long Bader is going to be out I think that would be a good idea and I think we're going to continue it's funny I thought when we when I sent the first script this morning I thought by a
0: Just go to indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: Now we would have talked about Manoa three times over. We haven't got to him yet because of all these recent injuries. We will. Right. But
2: yeah. you've been um, a very model of restraint. I'm proud of yeah, you. Yeah.
3: Yeah, but uh, but i think i think that we're going to start to see this steady stream i mean we had i mean owen miller yeah, wasn't agree. good a good prospect but he was a prospect who came up right before sunday and now we've got manoa coming and we've had kellanek and we've had Kelinek, and we've had gilbert and i think we're going to keep seeing prospects come and it'll be up to us to decipher you know who who's the real deal among them and and who isn't but now that there's minor league games i think there's the the time comes now when these prospects can come up
2: yeah i think that's right Uh, Before we talk Manoa and prospects generally, quick note from our sponsors.
1: Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend Account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, You'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply.
2: And for those of you on the live stream, you didn't have to deal with that. But thank you for those on the podcast for listening to those sponsorship uh, messages. This podcast is brought to you by WinBet. That's W-Y-N-N. If you are allowed to bet on sports in your state, and WinBet is your source to go to for that, we appreciate their sponsorship. We will have more details from them in the near future about how you can access all their uh, tools and all their abilities to bet. Uh, It is tomorrow. It is the eve of Alex Manoa. I don't know who's more excited, you or Clay Link. Clay Link's all over him, has him in uh, Tout Wars. I actually have him in Ale Tout Wars. Picked him up a couple weeks ago, but Fred, I didn't activate him this week because the Jays started stupid early yesterday. Then announced mm-hmm. it like right around game time. Didn't get him act. Uh, moved switched in, but I'm actually okay with it because he's facing the Yankees.
3: Oh, I think I'd want him anyways, just for the excitement. Now yeah. you have to hope that maybe one of your less important pitchers. Do you have anyone starting tonight who could go on the IL? <laughs> maybe <laughs> someone can go on the IL on your team tonight in Probably words will happen. Have, I don't want to put the kibosh
2: on anybody, but yeah, it could happen. Right?
3: Because yeah, otherwise, you can't put you can put him up on your Teword lineup Thursday, right? Like the yeah. day after he debuts.
2: Yeah, that. So that's the yeah. problem. So I yeah. mean. I, I had to have someone go on the IL today. I mean, yesterday, it was yeah. basically today. And I could have today, done
3: it. today, yeah. you've got till midnight for someone to go on the IL.
2: Come on guys, you can do yeah. it. Come on seven. <laughs> one
3: All of right. you middle relievers must have a strain something. Every AL team, right. Has a couple middle relievers who are just completely meaningless to their roster. So one of you guys must have a strain something. We'd get Manoa in. I would want Manoa in just for the excitement of it. Um, yeah, I uh, talk about a wild swing, especially because it's fairly early in the week on a Wednesday. Like, like his NFBC Sunday fab cost is going to swing wildly based on how he does. Like, he goes right. six innings, one run, woo, it's going way up. And if he goes four innings, four runs, four
4: it, goes walks, yeah. yes, exactly. it goes
3: way down. Yeah, uh, it goes way down. So, th- but this is the reality we live in. Like, whether we're bidding 270, 250 on this guy or. 125 will depend on his initial game stat line, which it shouldn't, but it will.
2: So you're a Jays guy. Tell me, what sort of prospect is Manoa? What should we look for from him?
3: Yeah. I, so he's a big guy. And I know there was some, you know, dispute at the beginning about whether, uh, you know, whether he would have the endurance to be a good starter, but I think he will. Um, yeah, so he's a big guy. Uh, I think, like, well, his numbers in spring training, it's so hard without a minor league season last year. Uh, mm-hmm. But his numbers in spring training were great and then his numbers starting off the triple a season were great um and this guy's a really good prospect like he was the 11th overall pick when he was drafted to the major so it's not like this guy's like i heard some people talking about how this guy's like come out of nowhere and he wasn't on prospects list he wasn't on prospects lists like a few weeks or a few months ago because there was no minor league season last year had there been a minor league season last year he probably would have done everything we've seen recently, he probably would have done quite well and he would have moved up prospect lists. This is the kind of thing we need to be able to adapt to coming off 2020, where someone like Manoa can just jump way, way up. Everybody wanted Nate Pearson before the season and no one had any interest in Manoa, but I think had there been a minor league season last year, that would have been a little bit different. So he may not be ready, but everything he's done since he showed up at spring training this year looks like someone who's ready. So I think... I think he can stick with the blue Jays. Like uh, maybe he'll have a Pearson thing where he's not good and they have to send him back down, but I think he could stick with the blue Jays. And I also think there's a lot of starting pitchers who are off our radars right now in general, because just because of the lack of the minor league season and the late start this year, there will be some guys in July who have an ERA in the ones in triple a and they get the call and they're maybe not as big name guys, but they're throwing really well and they come into the majors and they help teams.
2: I'd agree with that. Uh, and the thing is, I think you can distinguish uh, Manoa versus like Logan, Logan Gilbert, and Daniel Lynch. Gilbert and Lynch had, you know, Gilbert had one, I think, AAA start before he got the call. Lynch didn't have any. He was only at the alternate training camp site. I think he's since had one minor league start. It wasn't that great, but mm-hmm. Manoa's had three awesome starts at AAA following an awesome spring training.
3: Yeah. And and like I said, he was like, he was supposed to be an awesome pitcher. Like he got picked 11th overall in the MLB draft. Like those guys are supposed to be studs. So he's supposed to be a stud. He got barely, like he was drafted in 2019. He barely got his feet wet that season in the minors. And then last year he dealt with what everyone else dealt with, which was not having a minor league season. So he's working with the blue Jays coaches at the alternate site. And now, you know, and here we are, but this is someone who, now he's, now he's arrived fast. I think even, I think if you told the blue Jays when they drafted him in 2019 in June, like if, they, if you said he'd make his MLB debut in under two years even without a 2020 minor league season I think people, they the blue Jays would have said you're crazy so he has come faster um you know than maybe they would have expected but again he's a college pitcher so he had a fair amount of experience when they had drafted him those guys can come can come quickly you know I, I, and again he like he's, he's a big guy like physically his frame like he should be ready for this um he's not a young pitcher who still needs to fill out or anything so uh, i i think he could have plenty of success it's not the greatest environment to go into the al east is not the easiest division the mm-hmm. blue jays are go, are on their way to buffalo soon but that's not a great park to pitch in either so it's not going to be easy on him i wish he was in the national league i do i do, i think he's quite valuable but i do hear some people saying well, this is the last of the great pitching prospects who are going to come up this year. Like it's Gilbert and this guy, and then that's it. And I think that's wrong because like I said, I I think if we had a minor league season last year and one that had started earlier this year, like there would just be guys who would emerge. There'd be guys with a two ERA, a 1.8 ERA carving up AAA, And then you'd be like, okay, okay, this guy just got called up. Let, let's put a little bit of fab on him. Like, I think those guys are going to still exist. If some people think that they should just bid three fifty on Manoa because there won't be any other pitchers coming up from the minors that they'll want. I think that's incorrect.
2: Yeah. I, I think you're right about that. Uh, it is worth noting that wherever he went, his control was pretty good as opposed to say Lynch, who has had some command issues there in the past. So, uh, I And I hate the paint with the broad brush. You know, every pitcher is different. Sometimes, you know, the first two or three starts, nobody has a book on the guy. You know, the Yankees saw him in spring training, which is interesting, that his first start is against the Yankees. So they've actually seen him before. It won't be a complete, utter mystery. Now, I don't know what the lineups were for those, but, you know, the coaching staff at least was there. The scouts were at least there. So, you know, it's not a total blank slate.
3: Yep, absolutely. I have seen the lineup that he faced with the Yankees. It was medium. It was a pretty decent AAA or, sorry, spring training lineup. Um, it doesn't compare, it's not the Yankees full lineup, but it had some regulars in it for sure. Um, mm-hmm. so, so it wasn't bad. It wasn't like he faced an all, you know, almost all minor leaguer uh lineup. It was, it was decent. So, and the Yankees right. lineup so far, like the Yankees haven't been raking, you know, they're doing really well lately, but they're doing really well with pitching. Like the Yankees lineup, I don't think is in its peak form right now. Um, yeah, I wouldn't, I would be interested. I haven't done this yet, but I may map out. I want to see exactly how the Blue Jays manage. It's hard with the Blue Jays because sometimes they like to just give Ryu an extra day off and kind of push in a six starter once in a while to pace him out. So, like, I'd love to jump forward every fifth game and kind of see if if the schedule sets up to give Manoa a better chance to hit the ground running. But in all honesty, like, the park that they play out of and the AL East and everything, like, it's, it's unlikely that his first, say, five or six starts will, that he'll have a lot of easy ones in there.
2: Yeah, I think you're
3: probably right about that. Probably well, two starts. So a decent chance two starts next week. So since it's a Wednesday this week.
2: And I'd, and I'd be really encouraged, too, that it's not in Dunedin. I mean,
1: yep.
2: I, you know, I kind of – I knew that Dunedin would be a hitter-friendly venue. But as we, as it got warmer, that ball started flying. It's, the wind started picking up. Uh, you could see, like, the day patterns. Everything flies out to right. You're like, ooh. Ooh, I kind of want to avoid this now. Like I, I flat out released Ryan Yarbrough cause I didn't want, if I couldn't use him in a two-step, like including yesterday's start and he was kind of a margin guy, this isn't a 12 team, not in a 15. Um, I was like, I just, I might as well cut him, and I can always pick them back up if I really, really want them. But if I can't use them in a two-stepper, this is going to be my cut if I need this spot.
3: Yeah, I understand that. I actually ended up using him wherever I had him. It worked out fine. He didn't get the win, but it worked out fine. But I I even get the sense from the Jays that they're anxious to leave Dunedin. Even the hitters who are raking there
2: yeah. Simeon said he didn't hate it there.
3: Yeah. I, I think they don't, I don't think, which is weird. You'd think like baseball money is so tied to numbers and like Simeon, just shut up and hit your 40 home runs in Dunedin. and Don't worry. And just don't worry <laughs> about it. But
2: it's not I don't the hitting think, side of things. It's the infield. It's
3: right. That's hard. right. I don't think they liked being in Dunedin at all. And mm-hmm. I, I do think this whole thing is wearing a, Bit on the Blue Jays. Like we talked yeah. about this last year and I don't want to get too off topic on this. We talked about it last year. I have heard some things from the Blue Jays. Just now they got to, now a lot of them are moving their families to Buffalo and they got to move all their stuff to Buffalo and they got to, and some of them are just going to live out of a hotel because they're not even sure how long they're going to be in Buffalo. Cause maybe at some point they can come back to Toronto, maybe by late summer or fall and it might depend how they're doing and how COVID's doing. And, and they, and a lot of them dealt with all this last year. And I think, I do think it wears on them a little bit. I think maybe it's easier for some guys. Some of the younger guys don't have a family with them and they can just kind of do whatever, but I do think it wears on the guys a little bit and yeah, they didn't like that sure. ball- and they did not like that ballpark in Dunedin in the facility there as far as a, as a regular season facility. And also if you watch a lot of blue Jays games, like I do, uh, people are not cheering for them. Like a no, lot of half games. and
2: half at best. That, yeah, that's that, right.
3: Totally. Yeah. You get the Yankees in there and that's a Yankees crowd when the Braves were there. I thought it was a, mostly a Braves crowd. Um, the, the Red Braves, Sox. it's across town. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. So I, I felt like, like that's gotta be a little, I know it's not like a packed house and people going nuts and the fans cheers, but typically you can, as you know, you can watch a baseball game and kind of look on your phone or in a, or have your head down and you can tell when a hit happens whether it was the home team or the away team, without even looking at the screen, with the Blue Jays game, I couldn't tell because I would hear the same mix of like medium level cheering for every single hit.
2: Hundred percent agree, and I'm, yeah. sad, I'm glad you said that because I was watching the game yesterday, day game. Now mm. it was the Rays broadcasters on DirecTV. I think I don't mm. I think I got the Toronto feed yesterday. Vlad hits two monster shots, and you should normally you you should the crowd should be going nuts. I mean, he yeah. just crushed those, especially the second one tied the game. Yeah, He's like, oh, there goes a home run. Semyon's ball to tie the game in the 10th. It's like drifting, drifting. Oh, that's a home run. Oh, oh, I guess the game is tied. Mm -hmm. You couldn't tell. Like the fan, there was no excitement. Now, some of that might be the Rays announcer's fault, you know, because he doesn't want to hype it up at the same time. That's a big moment in the game. You just could not tell.
3: Yeah. You can usually hear that crowd noise and I don't think it bothered them as much last year because there were no fans anywhere. Mm-hmm. So it's like everybody was just playing in an empty state or pretty much everywhere. You know, everybody was basically playing in an empty stadium last year, but, yep. um, but this year, yeah, like they, they, I think they feel a little bit like they're on the road the whole time. I think they'll feel a little better in Buffalo. Uh, I think that'll be a Yankees crowd when the Yankees come to town, but beyond oh. maybe a bit of a Red Sox crowd, but I think beyond that, you know, the Jays will feel a little more like the home team when they're in Buffalo, but nobody can cross the border. So they're not getting Ontario people, Toronto people coming in to cheer for them. But I do think it'll, but, but most of those guys have played in Buffalo coming up through, I think it'll mostly be a blue Jays crowd and hopefully that'll be good for them. But, and I did start to feel, I don't feel sorry for them exactly is the right word, but I did start to feel some empathy for them. I think with, it's just, the second season in a row. I know the Raptors right now were adamant. They said, when next season starts, we need to be in Toronto. We need to be in Toronto. We need to be in our homes or condos or whatever. We need to have some stability. Like one year, this is enough. We hated it in Florida. We're not going back. We need to be in Toronto. And I think the Blue Jays feel the same way.
2: I I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all. We all need continuity. Uh, We we all need that stability. And it's it's hard to be on the road for 162 games. It really is. Uh, And that's what it has to feel like. Uh, you know, so we talked about Noah, one guy we won't see today is Joe Adele back in the lineup today for triple a salt Lake right now. He has 10 homers in 17 games at, at, salt Lake. Now he's also has 27 strikeouts in 17 games at triple a. So you can see there's still some things he needs to work on, but you know, the angels they're on the precipice here are just being done for the season here. Fred, uh, I, I think you and I both are, our, our dark horses are both really floundering yeah. now your angels and my Nats. Uh, and you know, you know, of course the angels don't have trout. They, they've already had two stints where they didn't have Rendon. Uh, there's no urgency here though. Adele's not getting the call. Brandon Marsh isn't getting the call. They're, they're content with Taylor Ward and Juan Lagares.
3: Yeah, I think they're giving up. I think, I'm, I think it's early. Sorry, sorry, angels fans, but they're last in the division. They're minus 50 in run differential. Only the Tigers and the Orioles are worse mm-hmm. in the American League. And the Orioles are barely worse. Like they uh, like I think they're I think with Trout out, they're giving up. I think if Trout was here and they were 500, Adele would be up. So now I think the timeline for Adele has shifted to, let's make sure we get Adele right this year. And then yeah. when he does come up, he stays. And that's the end of him being a minor leaguer. I think that's the, the philosophy that they're looking at now, rather than could Adele help us get one or two more wins in June? Because that might be the difference in us getting a wildcard spot. I think they might be giving up now because, of the tr- because they're behind and because of the trout injury.
2: Yeah, and I I get it. I get it. Mm -hmm. They have. And and the thing is, they have allowed the second most runs per game in baseball. Can you name a team that's that's worse, actually?
3: Worse for allowing runs. Well, I do happen to have the standings up in front of me when I was going over those Uh, run differentials. But uh, no, actually, I don't see it immediately. Who is worse than them for allowing runs?
2: my cincinnati reds five point six two runs per game oh
3: runs per game i was looking at total runs allowed where the angels ah, are first they must play a little more games but they play um, two more
2: games than the Reds. yeah there you go yeah and that's and not all of them have been allowed by luis castillo it just feels like it
3: <laughs> still rolling them out there in my toad NL lineup. almost every week except every game except the Coors one i've had him out there you know so i don't know what his era is and other than the Coors game but it's still not very good at all
2: no so. it, it's not well at least you had him out for that disaster Honestly, I'd still I'd still trade for him. The velocity is yep. there. Um, we're doing this mid-season draft. Listen, IR. And, I are, and I, there was a Twitter thread going. I said I'd probably consider him around pick 150. Is that outrageous?
3: Nope, not at all. I mean, you don't have to use him. If you take him at pick 150, you don't have to use him for his like the first time you have him, right? Like You could, but you don't have to. I'd That's have a hard trick-
2: time not using somebody that I took in the 12th round.
3: Uh, i don't know i i got to at least look i can at least look at it a little bit the thing with castillo is so his first start of the season was a disaster mm-hmm. and then the course start was a disaster but anyone that was a one start week anyone who used him the way he was going at coors deserve what they got if you don't I'd agree with that if you don't look at those two starts uh he hasn't been good at all but he's more been like like generically bad. Like he keeps letting in like three or four runs over like mm-hmm. five innings or something. Like so like five innings, four runs, four and a third, three runs. Like he's not good. He hasn't been good. I'm not trying to say he's been good at all. But you could have you could have missed the one big blow up. I think him around pick 150 makes sense. Uh, and but I do think okay. So let's say you take him around the 12th round. He's probably what at that point maybe your number three, four, something like that. I think you could set that guy the odd start if you don't like the matchup. Um, you know, it depends what your rest of your pitching looks like. But so that's the hard part is if you took him as your ace, uh, like that. I keep rolling him out there in tout NL because like, what else am I going to do? It's tout NL. Like right. I, I don't play Mitch Keller, but every other starting pitcher I have, I play. Um, I just need the strikeouts. So um, in a, and same with a mixed league, like if you took him as your ace, I think you almost, because, because you don't have the pitching depth unless you've gotten lucky gotten Rodon or Alex Wood and stuff like that but I think I think if he's your 3rd or 4th pitcher drafted I don't think I think in in that memorial day league you could draft him and not necessarily be tied to using him every time out.
2: Yeah, maybe maybe you're right about that. Uh Yeah, I, I'm going to do the if you could trade for him, what would you offer? If you had him, what would you accept? I, I there's there's could be two different levels obviously, but mm-hmm. uh Yeah, let, let's throw out a couple of names. Um would you accept Jose Barrios for him?
3: I have zero Barrios. So I'll take two seconds here to just familiarize yeah. myself. Yep.
2: I think that's that too high, actually. I, I think yeah, I've I'd I'd taken that. I take
3: Brios for sure. His Brios's numbers this year are exact almost almost exactly what I expected them to be. The whip's a little low, but other than that, yeah. Yeah, I take Brios for sure. Yeah.
2: Let me let me look pivot a different way. Look, there, if it's a
3: set and forget type pitcher, then I'm I'll do it. I think okay. that's kind of, which is why I think you're 12 assessment. I think that's when we start getting into pitchers who are not totally a set and forget pitcher,
2: Charlie Morton. Yay or nay?
3: I'll take Castillo.
2: Okay. Um, I just think
3: Morton hasn't been good either. And the upside is higher on Castillo. I, I think I just cross my fingers on Castillo being better.
2: Okay. Fair enough.
3: And, and I guess that's also the order I draft them in. Right, if if uh, if I was drafting on the weekend, so I view Charlie Morton right now as a like I'll use him some weeks and some weeks I won't, depending on what the matchup looks like. That's where he's kind of gone down to that point for me. Like he hasn't hasn't been good this year, wasn't good last year. Um, I'm gonna evaluate him like week to week, and that's kind of where I'm at with Castillo. Except the unfortunate thing with Castillo, like I said, is a lot of us who have him, you you spent so much to get him that you just don't have the depth behind him to sit him. Yeah, that's right. Unless unless you you magically found. Some of these guys who have emerged, right? Uh, like Freddie Peralta or some guys like that. that yeah, 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 exactly.
2: Yeah. Um how do you value Carlos Rodon, by the way?
3: I take him over Luis Castillo. Yeah, um I, I, I would uh I would I have some Rodon in a couple leagues. Uh I would view him as probably going into your draft, like a number two. I was thinking about this actually going to draft. Like there's the aces. The obvious aces, Scherzer Mm -hmm. and all those guys, Degrom and all them, and then there's like some guys like Woodruff who have pitched their way into being aces. Lance Lynn, I think after like who have like a long a good track record prior to this year. Even Corbin Burns have a track record prior to this year and have been awesome this year. I -hmm. think once we get past those guys, then I'm in on Rodon.
2: That makes sense. Yeah, but, like,
3: like I think anyone, anyone who was really good last year and has been really good this year is ahead of Rodon. He falls into the next group of guys who have been like not really good either year or or really good this year and not good last year or vice versa. But I, I would draft Rodon, – well, Rodon will go way higher than Castillo in your draft, I think.
2: I think so too. Yeah. How about another problem child this year but pretty good last year? Blake Snell came off as a tough, tough start yesterday uh, against Milwaukee – can't go deep in the games. Where would you put him in this list?
3: I'll take Castillo over him. Um, wow. yeah, I'm not a, Bla- I'm a, I'm like not a Blake Snell guy. I never really have been. Um, I just feel like there's always just like other than the one season, there's just always like ifs and buts with him. Like 2017, the ratios were high. 2018 was the amazing year. 2019 and in 2019, 2017 and 2019. He's hurt at times. And the ratios are high. And then Mm -hmm. last year they were pretty good, but he's averaging like four and a half innings. Like, 11 starts, 50 innings. He couldn't even average five innings to start last year. This year, he's not averaging five innings to start. The ratios aren't good. The walk rate's way up. I'm just not... I find he's all over the place. I think I would rather take Castillo and just hope for, like, a full rebound. I just... I will be surprised if we have a stretch this summer where Snell's, like, really good. But if Castillo got his act together... And we had a month where he had a 2.3 RA and was like great, six innings every start. I wouldn't, that wouldn't shock me if he got his act together. Cause like you said, the velocity is still fine. He was such a high end pitcher before. I'm going to put Snell kind of with, I put him ahead of Charlie Morton and behind Castillo. What do you think of that? I think
2: you're right, actually. I, was, I did a little bit more looking on Snell and, you know, whip is a category. Mm-hmm. And it's, he's had one good year, one year where he's really helped you in whip. Last year, 120. Okay, that does that's that's fine. But it's not like, oh, he's a huge plus there. Uh, You know, instead he's, you know, okay he's a little bit above average uh, and he just doesn't go deep in the game. So you're getting fewer innings of that, too. Uh, You know, the plus side, 67 K's and 44 innings, the negative side, only 44 innings and 28 walks to go with it.
3: Yeah. So looking back on and his strikeout rate even though it looks good on K per 9 this year it's 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 the opposite of what I was saying with Kyle Gibson. It looks great on K per 9, his strikeout rate's the same. It's the same as it was basically the previous basically his whole career. Like mm-hmm. it's 33%, last year it was 31, the year before it's 33, the year before it's 32. It's the same. It's ju- it's just his K per nine's higher because he's walking more batters so he's facing more batters. But if you go back and look at the Blake Snell trade, like Who's the organization who, which is the organization that understands pitching the best, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's, it's, if it's not the Dodgers, it's, it's the Rays and it's probably the Rays because they do it without the budget of the Dodgers. It's one or the other. Yeah. Like, like the Rays understand pitching so well and somehow they traded Blake Snell to the Padres and everybody was like, okay, now he's going to be free. The to gloves are six. off. Yeah. The gloves are off. He's going to throw six innings and pitch just as well. Because the Rays don't know that he could have been doing that all along. Like, they don't get it. He could have been doing that all along. Well, here we are a few months later, and whatever's happened to him in San Diego, he's not pitching as well as he did with the Rays, which shouldn't, I guess, in hindsight, shouldn't be that surprising, right? Like, the Rays know what they're doing.
2: Yeah. It, even though they, they, it might have been a mistake in the World Series, and I think that it was – might have every, been. Everyone had that in the back of their mind. And yeah. Yeah, I get it. I get it, but uh, yeah, ouch.
3: So it's like it might have been a mistake in the World Series, but the overall totality of what the Rays do with pitchers typically works as well as what any other team does with pitchers. So if they said, you know, this is the best you can get from Blake Snell, it's not going to get any better than this, and they traded him, I don't know, it's hard to, yeah, looking back on it, not to say the Padres do a bad job or anything, but it's hard to think that they could unlock something that the Rays couldn't. That doesn't happen very often.
2: Joe Sheehan has Snell in uh, mixed labor with us, and he was musing about even dropping Snell. He's so frustrated. And I go, and I go you know, there's trading allowed in this hypothetical yes. league, and yes. there are people that like to trade. Then I looked. I've, I've got 12 points in whip. I'm not touching them. <laughs> no, <laughs> I've got he, I've he, got a ratio to protect here. I yes, have uh, he, three points in wins, mind you, but I can't go that route.
3: Yes, he, he would be a target. Joe, if you're listening, he would probably be a target for someone like me. I, I complained on the on the weekend that six of the first seven pitchers that I drafted in that labor league were on the IL not have been on the IL are currently on the IL six of the first seven are on the IL right now. So I'm is just that, holding is that my, bad. It has been that bad. And it's, it's uh Zach gallon and Framber Valdez and Kenta Maeda. And it just kept going on and on Jake Odorizzi and Drew Pomerantz like if I drafted you, you were on the IL. I have Brandon Woodruff trying to carry a pitching staff that's been taped, taped and glued together. So it does have Carlos Rodon now, thanks to Fab. Um, it has Austin Gomber, thanks to Fab. Hopefully, at least I got him. I got him for this week. Hopefully, that turns out continues to turn out well and uh but i I, in my situation where my team's been so decimated by injuries i might be the kind of guy who would say sure maybe like i'm not really a snell guy but if i was a little more i might be like sure i'll i'll buy low on snell because i might as well take a chance on turning the staff around hope that they all get healthy later and i can roll out like a really awesome staff in the second half and and make up a lot of ground so i think if joe wanted to trade him there's someone who would but he'd, he'd just have to like sell quite low on him
2: Oh, let's make this happen. I mean, what can I get you to offer him to make this this go? All right, a hitter, right?
3: Coming up, it's
2: got to be a hitter given all your pitcher issues and the fact that, but you do have. Uh, Oh, you never
3: know. Maybe Joe would just like someone who's actually pitching. Do I have some guys who are pitching well? I have Alex Wood. Would you trade? I wouldn't. I don't think I know if I trade Alex Wood for Blake Snell.
2: That (sighs) is just that that in and of itself illustrates the problem. You know, how can you if you're Joe? How can you trade Snell? I mean, that, that unless you're cause, Alex would,
3: Alex Wood feels fair. Doesn't it? With his injury history.
2: Yeah. I, it might be, if Joe's going to trade Snell, he wants to get like hitting perhaps I was thinking, because if you're going to trade Snell and you're already bad in ratios, how do you improve when you trade away an ACE?
3: No, it's true. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's true. Well, no, it would be like, well, I was trying to think of like an overachiever, like actually I think Alex Wood fits the bill quite well. Cause you're not getting like the Carlos Rodon types. But Alex Wood is someone who's pitched like great this year. Like he he started the year late. He already has five wins. He has a 193 RA and a 105 whip. Like he's mm-hmm. been great. If he doesn't get hurt the rest of the way, like he should be really good. So if if Joe could go out and find like a like an Alex Wood, like a, if Kyle Gibson wasn't hurt and and Joe really believed in him, like go and find a guy who is not a name guy, but you really like and you really believe in. Um, you know, would that be would that be worth it if if Joe could go to the guy who gets Alex Manoa and on on Sunday night and be like, sure, I'll take a, I'll take a risk. So it'd be more Joe just washing his hands of Snell, maybe, and maybe that could be picking up a pitcher who's not a name guy but is pitching well, mm-hmm. and Joe th- and Joe thinks he can keep it up. And, whereas the other guy just looks at Blake Snell and is like, I got to take Blake Snell for it. like if Joe offered me Blake Snell for Alex Wood, I think I'd have to think long and hard about it. And just thinking about a preseason value and just be like, "Uh, it's hard to turn that one down. But Alex, I think, so I, the more I'm thinking about it, I I would think long and hard about that. But, but Woods, the kind of guy who, when he pitches, he typically pitches really well. It's the injury history that would give Joe pause. He's pitching really well and his team's pitching well and he could keep it going. So yeah, on the hitter side, um, I have a disappointing, I don't have a lot of hitters to trade either because I have injured hitters too, but a disappointing Ian Happ, that would be, maybe in the ball he did have started to come around I yeah don't know. he
2: has he's healthy now sure
3: i have a disappointing tommy fam um i have a pretty good actually david peralta who's been playing pretty well this year i have a pretty good eric Hosmer. maybe something in kind of in in that range would be like it would be kind of what like well like where do you think snell will go in your draft i think i'm gonna say round 13 14
2: yeah, that's about pick one sixty or so, one seventy. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably about that. So if
3: you, so fast I won't be to... there for
2: him. List is going to push me to try to get him because he's mm-hmm. like all about Snell, and I'm okay. Not, I, I don't have any Snell this year. So
3: right, and you I don't. And this is the time to start. So
2: I, don't I really think, need and, to, to. That's not an itch I have to scratch.
3: Right. So I mean, if you're Joe, like if you could see those Memorial Day draft results look at the group of players who go kind of right around him or right after him, pick out someone, mm-hmm. you, a few guys you like and start offering out from one, someone for ones to see who would like them.
2: Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Moving on from Snell. Uh, anything else? Uh, okay. Oh yeah. You mentioned you, you got, you gombered the, uh, instead of getting gombered, yep. gomber, gombered them instead. Uh, actually he pitched. It didn't make any sense at all. I, I don't know why I tried to <laughs> use that as a verb this time. He pitched very well against uh, the remains of the Mets lineup where you have, you know, James McCann batting third. You've got uh, Thomas Nito batting fifth. Uh, you know, guys I haven't heard of are getting hurt in games. Uh, it, it's it's sad right now. And, uh, and they're not getting some of these guys back. McNeil and Conforto aren't coming back for at least another month. Uh, it's tough. I mean, stream against the Mets, people. That's what we're trying to tell you.
3: Absolutely. And I think that was, I, so I only got one Gomber for this week and it's in our labor league and where my team's kind of hopeless. I wish I had got him in some other spots because I think the matchups this week were, too good to ignore and he Mm -hmm. had been pitching well and like that met you so because he had the mets early in the week you knew that he wasn't you knew that he was going to get that bad mets lineup like maybe by the end of the week they get some guys back but you knew he was going to get the bad mets lineup and then he gets the pirates on the weekend like maybe he'll reverse gomber me and you know stink against the pirates on the weekend but i mean it's certainly off to a good start i tweeted out you know about the fifth inning last night like looking back on it like how could almost how could he not be successful uh against that lineup so and he and he was he was was even more than successful eight innings is is pretty impressive but he's been pitching well now i heard you say to scott i think were you oh no you were talking about marquez that no matter how well he did this week you would not give into the urge to keep him for next week
2: and maybe i'll just keep him on my bench but i probably I, i won't use him how about that? Right.
3: That's right. So that was my thought with Gomber. Like, uh, like everybody says he's just a streamer for this week and maybe he is, but he had been pitching pretty well. So if, if he follows this startup with a good one against the pirates, I mean, you don't, I'm not saying you use him next week at home. You don't, but the following week he's on the road. So if you like, maybe you keep him on your bench one more week, I don't know, maybe not in a 12, but maybe, maybe keep him on your bench one more week and use him on the road again next week. And just, Kind of take it one week at a time with him. I don't know. But uh, I feel like he can't. The, I think I feel like getting Gombert is going to stick no matter how many good two-start weeks he has on the road the rest of the way. Uh, gotta have a really
2: I, damn good season for that to happen. Yeah.
3: I, I'll feel bad for the guy if he has a great season from this point out. And we're still saying get Gombert in September. But it yeah. might. Sometimes things stick. They might. So it just it flows so well.
2: So let's push this Mets theory to its limit. Kyle Freeland, Antonio Senzatella. Any interest in either of them against the Mets this week?
3: I will not take the one who's facing DeGrom. I'll pass on that. Although, the Mets typically never score runs when DeGrom's pitching. That's true. So, Yep, you know what? I would stream either one of them. How about that? Like, in the next two days? I think I'd stream either one of them. What about you?
2: I just picked up Senzatella while we were talking. (gasps) Uh... Darn it.
3: In Friends and Family? (laughs)
2: Yes.
3: (laughs) I have a lot of innings in Friends and Family, so that's okay. (laughs)
2: <laughs> um yeah it, it's it's kind of funny uh that but yeah i i will do that i think so uh yeah there you go um yeah it, it's it's a, a sensible solution i think to try to do that and i'm not i mean to, how to bad against on.
3: that lineup like how bad could it really go right Don't- like like, oh yeah. that that's just
2: tempting fate asking and framing it that
3: sort of way. <laughs> no, I'm what serious. Could possibly like, go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I know that I know it's baseball and anything can happen and you can't predict baseball and everything, but man I don't know. That lineup they put out there last night like like I feel like any major league pitcher could at least at, at worst go like 5 innings 3 runs something like 5 innings 4 I feel like 5 innings 4 runs is the absolute worst it can go and even that's not like a total killer like that ruins your week and i i think the odds are really high that senzatella goes at like five innings two runs six innings three runs something like that um yeah i i think i think that's the most streamable lineup do you think that's the most for, for for a week that's the most streamable lineup in baseball i don't think it'll last like they'll get yeah. healthy again
2: yeah i mean i think pitts uh pittsburgh's evergreen mm-hmm. recent results notwithstanding detroit is evergreen seattle is another t- uh, lineup i'm yeah. attacking heavily uh yeah, I mean, I, but, I made yeah, a point like, of getting Caprillian just for the start against them this week.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I'll i write a Yahoo article sometimes about lineups to stream against, and and it'll be based mostly on, like, which lineups have been the best and worst this year or in the past month, and that's all good advice. But sometimes the best advice is actually just to look through the injury report and find the team that's missing Half their lineup and throw out all the stats because if you're missing half your starters, how you've done this year or more, half how, you're, how you've done this year doesn't matter. It was, it felt like for Gomber last night, it was basically a free ride after the cleanup spot, like all the way down till he got to the top of the order again. And and the guys who are in those spots the, have even played well, like Lindor and Dom Smith and guys like that. But it felt like a free ride from about five to nine last night.
2: It did. It did. Yeah. Uh, to that end, my Reds. I mean, they're missing some significant bats in that lineup. They got shut down by the Brewers over the weekend. Are you interested in Joe Ross tomorrow against them?
3: No, I don't think so. Like, I don't think I've totally, like, how bad is the Reds lineup right now? Like, it's, I know they're missing some guys, but I feel like the Reds are deep enough that the lineup, I'm looking to see if their lineup for today is out yet.
2: Oh, it's always the first one out. It's it's is that's that right, a good eh? thing about them. Um, Suarez is batting leadoff today. I, wanted I saw to mention it.
3: that to you. I saw that. So they're going Tyler all Stevens or nothing. Has been
2: playing a lot of first base lately.
3: So when I look at that lineup, it's not it's pretty good. thin. It's pretty Ooh, thin. It's really bad, actually. It's and really Suarez bad. Suarez
2: isn't hitting. I mean, and Suarez has been horrible. Yeah, horrible this year. One forty eight.
3: Yeah, but Winker, Castellanos, Naquin, like those are some guys who've had some moments this year and can do some damage. It's not as bad as, I think it's not as bad as the Mets lineup. Yeah. It's, I, it's You're understating streamable. Winker
2: and Castellanos. They're leading the NL in hitting right now. Uh, one and two. Mm-hmm. Respect. I think it's Castellanos one, Winker two. Uh, they, they've both been amazing. And yeah, 356 right. so, and 355.
3: So that alone keeps them above where the Mets are at right now. But I think the Reds are a perfect point. I, I wrote an article maybe three, four weeks ago where I said the Reds were one of the best lineups to avoid because they were. They were deep and they were hitting really well at the end of April and they had great numbers. And they were, they were a lineup to avoid with your streamers. That is that mm-hmm. article is old news now. And now they're at, at least a lineup to consider attacking, if not full out attack. But like it, it just shows you what a f- like two or three, four injuries can do to a lineup, right? You take Votto, I know not yeah. that Votto is amazing. We take Votto out, You take Senzel out. Akiyama's not in there even to fill in for guys as a depth player. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, all of a sudden, here we are. And the problem is, is they have outfield depth. It's the infield that's making that lineup so bad.
2: Yep. Just highlighting Sanford talking. And what about the Brewers? Is that a lineup to stream against? Yeah, they strike out yes. a lot. Uh, you know, Yelich did start yesterday. We should have mentioned that. I mean, he homers on Sunday on a 3-0 count. First homer of the year. And then he's back in the lineup tonight, by the way. Uh, so for what it's worth. But, you know, I, 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 how is he getting a scheduled day off after like only... A few, a handful of games. I yeah. guess it's just because they were. Tra- it was a travel day yesterday. Maybe that's our travel day Sunday to Monday, and you just want you know want to give them the day. I guess uh, he was DHing in the KC series. Uh, I think he got a day out of the lineup on on Saturday against the Reds. Had a pinch hit appearance, struck out, but they've been very cautious with him since coming back.
3: Yeah, for sure. That Brewers lineup. Yeah, it's. So it's not the worst. Like, when you look, I, like, often what I'll look at with the NL lineups is like is like five through eight, right? Before mm-hmm. you get in the pitcher spot. They're not Nervaez has had a decent season. Kane, the major leaguer. Travis Shaw hasn't been good. Willie Adamas hasn't been that good. But I don't know. It's better than what I just saw, I think, with the Reds lineup. Um, I wonder if teams are going to change a little bit how they construct some of their lineups. I think the Giants are a really great example this year where the Giants lineup is just like the Giants, not their lineup, sorry, their roster is just. Really deep, and they can lose Tommy Listella and just plug in Donovan Solano, who's not right. awesome, but, but but he's not awesome, but he's not these guys. The Mets have been rolling out. Um, if you look at the Giants lineup, most days it's different every day. But you got Brandon Crawford sixth, you got Solano seventh, you got Stephen Duggar eighth today. You got you know Austin Slater on the bench today, who's got yep. some decent numbers this year and can come in and like. It's a lineup where the guy who hits first, second, third isn't really much better than the guys who hit sixth and seventh. And maybe that makes the Giants are winning. Like, they're doing pretty well. Maybe that makes them more sustainable. Some of these lineups, like, I look, I'm just trolling through them right now. Like, Cardinals, like, six, seven, eight, Carpenter, Sosa, Lane Thomas. Like, not good. right oh, yeah, they the, just
2: lost those guys. I mean, again, look at yeah. the injury list. There you go. I know Uh, speaking injuries, uh, one last uh, question Mm -hmm. and then we'll sign off for today. Uh, Mark asks, how long is trout out? Would you uh, try to buy low on him for the rest of the season? Yeah. I think they said six to eight weeks, right? They did. Uh, So we're still five to seven weeks still remaining. Uh, It's a long ways away.
3: Yeah. Going on the Scott Pianowski theory, Seven more weeks, right? Uh, it is Mike Trout, and he will probably, knowing the competitor in him, he will probably battle to get back. But uh, I would assume seven more weeks. So you assume all of June. I'd say at best he comes back right after the All-Star break and maybe more mm-hmm. likely a little later than that. So would I try to buy low on him? Yep. Well, I'd, I'd try. I'd see what what's out there depending on the makeup of my team. Like
4: mm-hmm. he's, He
3: is the kind of talent who can come back and make a huge impact right away. So yeah, I would, I would be interested in seeing maybe the person who has him is way down in the standings. And it just says like, I can't wait around six or seven weeks. I'll take your pretty good player for him. Cause I need someone in my lineup right now. So yeah, I'd make an offer.
2: Yeah. I think that makes sense.
3: Mm-hmm. All right.
2: Uh, that's going to wrap it up for today's podcast, except Fred, do you have anything you're working on? You want to talk about?
3: Uh, no, going to look at actually last when we talked about Joe dropping and Blake Snell last week, I looked in Yahoo at, hitters to drop who are widely owned, talked to some Glaber Torres, some Brandon Lau, some of those guys this week. I'm going to talk pitchers to drop. We'll see if Snell gets on in that article or not. I bet he will. Cause there's a lot of 10 team Yahoo leagues.
2: All right. Very good. Uh, coming up tomorrow, we got, uh, we, we've got uh, the prospect podcast. I imagine a little Alec Manoa will come up with clay and Probably. James on Thursday. I've got Bubba, uh, Casey Bubba joining us again. Uh, Brian Enterek. uh, he's now in Tal Wars where just, we, we, where he's, he's always on a uh, fantasy Twitter, doing a great podcast with himself. And he also does one with bat flip crazy Toby. So uh, lots of stuff to talk about with him. Uh, and then we'll have, of course, two star starters on Friday. want well, to thank everybody for listening. Please, as always subscribe, give us a rate rating, a review. We do appreciate that. And if you have actual feedback for us, you can leave it in the review or you can tweet at us at Jeff underscore Erickson at Fred Zinke MLB. Uh, again, our, this podcast is sponsored by Winbet, W-Y-N-N, bet. if you're allowed to bet, go to Winbet, check it out. Uh, that's going to end it for today. Have a great day.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why, what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality.